Welcome to the Land Jam Podcast, a semi-friendly discussion between two blokes on watches, cars, and everything in between. Now, here are your hosts, Tommy and Sanjeev. Welcome to Land Jam Podcast, episode 54. Word about you, Skipper. That's uh, I hope that's I got a, that right. Yeah, you got it. That's you channel Mikey Palmisi really well. That's for our Sopranos fans there. Uh, yeah, yeah, you, I'm offended actually. <laughs> <laughs> you are Mikey, you are Mikey Palmisi. Yeah, uh, sleaze ball. That's that's, I mean, you're not that far <laughs> off, but still offended. Um, so obviously, you know, we're gonna kick off with uh, talking about the new. This is a classical episode, so we're just talking watch releases, and I guess we're kicking off with the new Tag Heuer Carrera Skipper. Yeah, so this is very recent news. Um, I believe the article we're referencing was only about a week ago. Yeah. Uh, so it's the Tag Heuer Carrera Skipper, and it's kind of a throwback to the original. I believe it's reference 7754. But the beauty of this release is that I be- I understand that it's not even a limited edition release. I think it's going to go mainline. It's part um, of the main collection, yeah. Which is amazing. And what Tag Heuer has done is gone back to the classic uh, reference and taken cues of that and incorporated it into their Carrera line um, that they have. So I think, you know, a few years ago, which I'm going to talk about a different Carrera later on, but it's kind of in that same um, aesthetic as that Carrera 42 that Tag Heuer released a few years ago as part of the main line, but taken into the aesthetic of the, the reference 7754. So that particular reference is actually a, a, a rare line of the Carrera. And it was to do with the uh, yacht racing and, and regatta. So as you know, the America's cup is a, you know, a fairly historic cup uh, in, in, in boat racing, sailboat racing. And Hoyer was the official timer back in, I think, in 1967. And the Intrepid, which is uh, a boat that was used in the Mariska's Cup, defended its crown. Um, and what Tag Hoyer decided to do, or Hoyer at the time, was to make a watch that, that took inspiration for this particular boat. So at the time, you know, in line of um, the trends back in the day, it was a 35 millimeter Carrera case. And it is a very clean yet colorful looking uh, chronograph. So it's a bi-compax. So you yeah. had registers at the three and nine o'clock, um, very clean dial, very limited lettering. And you had applied indices every five minutes. And you had, you didn't necessarily have, let's say, a tachometer bezel or anything like that, but you had an outer um, ring around the dial that had a bit more uh, graduations for a bit more um, precise timing. Because, you know, back in the day, you know, chronographs were actually used for timing. And the three o'clock had a specific dial that's broken into 20 minutes. Um, where you had a green for the first 20, a gray and like an orangey kind of color for the last 20 minutes of that dial. And I guess it's for specific use for regatta timing. Don't ask me whatever that is. 
And it's five minutes, right, Sanj? Or five, ten, I'll fifteen. Is okay, sorry. Five, ten, fifteen. Because I think they do something with fifteen minutes on, on regatta timing or, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't to be honest understand it either. But the I mean let's 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 cut through all all the stories here. It's yeah, yeah. Watch because of the colors. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. Um, <laughs> the 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 three o'clock sub dial has like two shades of green and this like orange shade. It's very distinctive. If you've seen it online, you definitely know what kind of watch this is. It's a blue, uh, blue dial. Uh, it's it's a beautiful watch. It's a beautiful design. Actually, the cool thing is I don't know if you got to see this, Sanj, but Hodinki, the Hodinki guys were on the actual boat. They took it out sailing. Um, I guess in Rhode Island. And wow. Okay. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And they had the original skipper and they had the new skipper on them. And um, they mentioned that the actual colors that were chosen for the original skipper were taken off basically um, what do you color pantones from the boat. Like they literally lifted the colors from the boat for that design. So um, it, that's why the colors are so unique. Um, and obviously that's what they're hearkening back to. Um, right. And yeah. It's funny you say Hadinki because back in 2017, and yes. I believe you may have covered this back in the day. You did. Yeah. Um, Hadinki collaborated with Tag Heuer to make a kind of like a retro Carrera skipper. Keep yeah. in mind the Carrera skipper that we are referencing, the modern day Carrera skipper or the modern day Carrera wasn't released back then. So they used a different type of. Uh, Carrera per se, where you don't have the bicompacts uh, layout. It's basically uh, the chronograph. Um, oh, the nine o'clock subdial kind of mimics that that three color scheme, and on the three o'clock you had the date window. But oh, you know, it, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I said. Oh, interesting. Gotcha. Oh, yeah. So. What the they decided to do is that was a limited edition. It was only 125 pieces, so obviously sold out. But what Tag Heuer is doing right now is bringing back that Carrera Skipper and making it part of its collection. So what they did was they used, they did in the sense that it's instead of like a, say, a 42 millimeter case or something gargantuan that we typically um, harp on Tag Heuer, at least with their chronographs, yeah, and their Carreras, like they stuck with a fairly attractive case size of thirty nine millimeters. Yeah, and and yeah, it's I believe it's actually fairly skinny too. I think it's only thirteen millimeters in thickness. So it's if that's the case, that's a very attractive um, case size to wear on the wrist. And they took back a lot of the cues of the original seventy seven fifty four. And applied to it, you know, with some subtle differences. This time around, it's a kind of like a tri-compact layout where you have an additional sub dial, but it's yeah, very muted at the six o'clock. Yeah, the six o'clock sub dial is, is almost invisible. Like they they really want to give you the impression that it's a bicompact, but really it's a tricompact. And I believe that's the, I guess that's the running seconds hand, right? That's just it looks like so. Yes. Yeah, and it's I not think... even graduated. Yeah. Yeah, but and also at the six o'clock, you have the date complications. Um, yeah, but regardless of that, it the the dial and the layout makes it still very symmetrical. Yeah, and I think that's done on purpose, which is 
to me a very good choice. Um, sure. Yeah. And again, they try to stay true to the Carrera motif as much as possible, legibility being one of them, and yeah. very limited uh, writing. You know, it's I think basically it's got the Tagore emblem, the Carrera at the uh, the Carrera at the twelve o'clock, and I think the day complication and Swiss at the six o'clock. Um, and skipper at the nine o'clock. Skipper at the nine, yeah. So that and that's skipper, a bit controversial because the original one just had Hoyer and Skipper, right? And here you've got Tag Hoyer, Carrera, and Skipper. Um, I don't know if that's making... controversial because you know they're openly admitting it's it's an inspiration, right? Um, and it's yeah, using but, one of I their mean, existing. Carrera was never on the dial before, so like, what are they doing? And also putting it in that sub dial, I think is I don't know I. I could see why people aren't too crazy about that. I find that to be kind of a strange choice. Because they basically it, put it in curved letters in the nine o'clock subdial. It's it just seems a bit strange. It it I don't know. It it doesn't it's go funny. Um do you know the was it the tutor? They had they had a chronograph back in the day and it was I think there was they made one specifically for Tiger Woods. Yeah, uh, I think they call it the Tiger Prince chronograph or something like that. Oh, the Tudor yes. chronograph. Yeah. And yeah. on the nine o'clock, it's got Tiger on, written underneath the subdial. Yes. That irked me. That irks me more for some reason than what Tagore is doing with the skipper. What's the difference? Uh, I don't know. It's just like I think <laughs> they did a, a more muted job with the Carrera yeah. skipper versus the Tudor. Yeah, I I find that strange. I do find that strange, and I think I think you know they could have removed that that running seconds hand at six o'clock completely. I mean, you know, I know that's kind of a strange, that's a daring choice today for watch people to not have a running seconds hand, but like it would really have helped this symmetry to not have this invisible little subdial down there. Yeah, um, and the date obviously our perennial bugaboo. But I think it looks it's not bad. It it's looks really cool. Box. No, I I, yeah. I I like this whole presentation. I think I think the glass box design or the glass box release of Carrera, this this new generation looks awesome. So I, I, I love what they started off with. Um, you know, but I don't know. Like looking at an original one side by side, it's like I can kind of see why the original is so timeless. Yeah, but I I, I give credit to Tag for what they've done. I think if one change of I like to make is that um, that graduations on like the chapter ring, maybe it's kind of like a blackish blue. The older one was a white. Yeah. Uh, I yeah, wish I they went and applied the white. That yeah, would I don't be know why they wouldn't do that. I, it looks so such a nice contrast, right? So yeah, don't get it. Yeah. Actually, I would love it to be that um, that grayish green color that you see on the nine o'clock subdial. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, you give it a little bit of you know, of a, a funky contrast. Yeah. But and if you haven't seen the the Hodinki launch video, it's it's really cool. They did a really good job. Um, you know, they were on the boat and they had all three versions of the of the skipper the the vintage one, the Hodinki LE, and then the new one. And they had them all side by side. It's it's interesting to see what they've done. Um, I actually like the the Hodinki one. It's it's basically like a Carrera Dado, you know, um, with the skipper colors. Um, I could, yeah, I think the Hodinkee one is a bit more um, dressier, if I were to put it. 
Yeah, I, I I could see that. And it's definitely not, you know, as faithful as the glass box for all my criticism. Obviously, you know, the glass box looks close and more more akin, but still there's something kind of charming about that little skipper that Hodinki put together. So Yeah. I, I think regardless of the type of skipper that's been introduced over the the decades, let's just say. I think all of them are attractive. I think the current one is a good-looking Carrera. It's a very yeah, it's a very cool Carrera. Yeah. yeah, I it's I to me it's I think the glass box. We didn't. I don't think we covered the glass box yet, Sanj. But you know, I my impression of the glass box is that it looks awesome. I think I think Tag really did a really good job to kind of yeah yeah hit the Carrera. It's not oversized. They didn't do something obviously stupid with proportions or anything like that. So um you know i'm a fan uh and the skipper i think is a great version of that so yeah and there's a little bit of depth on the dial of the watch for example the applied markers add a little bit of depth i think the dial is not exactly flat you know as it gets closer to the chapter ring i think it kind of um caves up or concaves up nice um their sub dial registers there's a nice close-up picture on the fratello um page that we're referencing the yeah the sub dials at the three and nine o'clock they look a little bit raised so yeah there's a lot of little detail that they added that yeah. adds to the character of the watch and I, I think they did a bang up job and yeah it's good to see that, that highly it's... domed like sapphire crystal I, I think i think that makes such a such a difference right when you look at yeah the, exactly it makes it visually interesting um no uh, plus 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 big fan um this is like among the few tag warriors that I'm very excited about, you know. Yeah. And, uh -huh. you know, the movement is also probably a really good one. Um, they call it the tag horde TH20-06. I don't know much about this, but it's got an 80-hour power reserve. Um, and it, if you look at the case back, it's got 33 joules, which is quite a bit for a chronograph or a movement itself. So it, it looks like they put a lot of attention into this watch. So, um yeah, no, it's it's very nice. And the price, it's 6,600 Swiss francs. So it's about, you know, let's just say it's about the same price in US dollars around that ballpark. Oh, man. Well, I mean, look, a Speedmaster is going for six to 8,000 yeah. dollars right now. So, yeah, I mean, that's the way the world the you know? Yeah. That's a shame, so. but still very, very attractive. Big fan. That's a big thumbs up for me, Sanch. This is a rare moment where you give a big thumbs up. Good good job, Skip. Good job. All right. That's right. All right. Sam. All right. Um, so yeah, what's next on the list? It could be, I guess, another retro release, right? The Seiko 5 Sports. Ooh, the 50th anniversary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. So in 2019, you know, there was a, a change in the entry level, let's say, dive watches, where it marked the end of the, the infamous Seiko SKX line of watches. So, you know, I have an SKX 007, you know, we have friends that have that, or the SKX 009, which was a very entry level, yet uh, proven rugged dive watch. It was even certified, if I'm not mistaken, yep. to be a dive watch. Yep. But Seiko decided to kind of abandon that true diver's watch and some, bring something called the, the, the 5KX, essentially. And 
it does have some, and you know, it does have some of the looks and feel of a dive watch, but it's not a true dive watch per se. Yeah. Uh, but what Seiko have done is they made it more uh, proliferated into a variety of different styles that it, it never occurred before. You know, you had the street styles, you had like the dive watch looking style. And then you, they also released a bunch of like, you know, limited releases like the, you know, Street Fighter one, which we covered. Yeah. For example. So I think what Seiko have done is kind of like went a little less serious on their 5KX line. Yeah, it's a little more accessible. It's young. It's, you know, playful. Yeah, but yet, they, you know, they did a lot of good things to the watch. For example, they they upgraded the movement, right? Um, so what Seiko have done is they kind of went retro a little bit and I'm going to do a little bit of a history lesson. Um, so the one I'm referencing first is based on the 6106-8120, which was released in 1968. It was a very funky retro looking watch, you know, kind of uh, reflective of the period of watches back in the day where you had things like integrated blade bracelets or cushion cases, um, really brushed finishing on the cases. This is not uh, even like a turtle cushion case. This is like, it's got a notch. It's like a very unique kind of case. Um, exactly. 12 and 6. I would say it's got like a roulette kind of track on the inside. Um, does that make sense? Like a roulette wheel? That's kind of what. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They, they had one, I think a blue dial and a black dial. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a very attractive watch. It's not, you know, the usual Seiko vintage divers that everyone gets excited about, but. Um, it's it's very unique looking, you know. What Seiko have done for that particular uh, style of watch is they brought it back and they kind of stayed true to the style of watch. So they brought down the case size. A, they brought back that case design and they brought, they right-sized it to 39 and a half millimeters by 12 and a half millimeters thickness. Yeah. Um, but keeping the internals relative similar to that of the 5KX. So the movement's about the same. Uh, I think it's a 4R36. The water resistance is about the same. But the key thing is the, the design stayed true, the aesthetic. So in this case, this is a black dial. But the, the, tr the roulette frame track indices is in gray. Yeah. Um, the bezel is also in gray black as well black and white and it's also got the day-to-day -day complication that you get with the 5kx as well the second 10 is like a red with a circular pip yeah um and they kind of kept that style too you know it says uh just about the six o'clock sports you know automatic 24 jewels 10 bar kind of similar old, to what they had back the old today. five lake Five logo is there, like not the new updated Seiko Five logo. Exactly. Yeah, they kept the old Five logo. I mean, and the bracelet is, you know, harkening to back what it once was too. So, a really, I mean, it's a one for one recreation of that watch, which exactly. is unusual for Seiko. Usually, Seiko does some small thing to update it or modernize it or whatever, but they've actually recreated a fifty-five year old watch design, which is really cool. And then on top of that, even down to the packaging, they're giving you the original exactly. packaging, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah, um, yeah, they even kept the pack packaging true to the original, which is, as a collector or a Seiko collector, especially, you know, 
they'll be salivating. You know, I know you're like trying to find ways to get hold of this watch, Tommy. I'm um, not a big Seiko five guy, to be honest, even vintage. Um, but I think this like original C C C C case and like the original packaging and every it's really attractive. It's like really hard to say no, you know, it's like yeah, man, like it's not even that expensive. It's like, oh, like I, I should just pick one up just just to have one, you know. Exactly. So the the new release is a limited edition. Um, it's limited to a fairly large collection of fifteen thousand five hundred fifty five pieces. Oh, okay. Um, it is labeled as the SRP K seventeen. Yeah, and it is priced at four hundred seventeen euro, which for a retro semi limited edition, it's not too bad. I mean, it's not you can't too bad. Go wrong. It's not too bad at all. Um, you know, I, I'm looking at at uh, online shopping, and and they're trending from between four fifteen to five hundred fifty four bucks. So, uh, USD. So you know, not bad it, for for very unique kind of LE vintage dive watch reissue. Very cool, right? Um, and you know, kudos to Seiko for making a one for one recreation. They could have easily taken. Uh, well, you know, they did release three other. Seiko 5 did. releases, right? Yeah, you want to talk about yeah. those? Yeah, those are a bit more mainstream. So like to expand the 5KX collection. So they have something called the Rally Driver, the Hurricane, and the Regatta. So the Rally Driver is the SRP K09. It's a callback to the 51268310 line. And again, it is completely a 5KX watch with the difference between being the bezel, you know, unique to the Rally Driver itself. Um, it's this like checkered, rectangular checkered looking bezel, but the dial is kind of like a pseudo sunburst finish with yeah. an orange seconds hand. And, and, and the, the, one... the, the emphasis here is it's not a one for one recreation like the previous watch. This is basically on the Seiko, uh, the 5KX platform. So the case and everything is standardized for the next three watches you're going to talk about. Yeah, exactly. So like this is kind of like a, a vintage inspired 5kx correct yeah it's it basically like if you want to mod your 5kx to look something vintagey you would do something like this but this is coming straight out of the factory yeah um so yeah this the one cool thing is you know seiko did do some uh, some very little, subtle but kind of appreciating uh, design changes for example the automatic above the six o'clock is this like blue um, blue green color which i yeah. think is similar to what it was back in the day too yeah so that's kind of unique um then you have the srp k09 which is the rally drive uh, sorry the hurricane no no srp k11 srp k11 which is the hurricane yeah, and that's the callback to the fifty one twenty six sixty dash six zero three zero, and that is like a very orangey inspired. It's like referencing a very rare Seiko. It's hard uh, to describe. Yeah, it's got like yeah. a black band from three to nine. Um, it's very orange. I I don't know what else to say, but you know, if you're a vintage Seiko five collector. You've seen that model, so it's interesting to see it in a 5KX form. Right. The one unique thing is the the bezel itself. It's very, if not identical, in, in, in recreation to that of the 
the original 5126 dash uh yes sorry, the 5126-6030 so yeah a, a good effort from them and then the last one is called the srpk 13 the regatta again yeah. in 5kx format again the unique things are the bezel itself and the chapter ring uh just surrounding the dial again it's used to track in this case i guess 20 minutes from zero to 20 the bezel yeah, is, I, is i i really need to learn how to sell because i have no idea what these things mean <laughs> yeah i have no clue either no um, clue i think they look cool and colorful that's all i know about Regatta yeah cool watch. and colorful and funky i'll just yeah, take it it's like i'm dying to get a yachting watch but like when have i ever yachted <laughs> when was the last time you used a chronograph uh today yeah i do it all the time oh, what tying your shoelace uh i was cooking dinner Oh boy, yeah, tracking tracking elapsed time, bro. That's uh -huh. secret to my recipes. You don't know anything. What do you know about cooking? Nothing. Oh, <laughs> it's a wing and a oh, prayer with man. you. I mean, that, you know that one stung straight. <laughs> I'm literally you. Literally like ended me like how they ended Mickey Palmese. All right, hey, Just you, that's why you're Mickey Palmese. All right, no doubt. All right, Sanj, which of the four are you picking? What's what's the long story short here on this? Long story short, the one I would take is might be the regatta. Interesting. Okay. It's just so funky. It's funky. It looks, yeah. The green, the blue, the red. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. To me, it actually looks got like a 80s funky feel to it. Um yeah. No, I can see like that. Like an Atari. I kind of like associated with like some sort of Atari game or something, you know. You've always been a juvenile, Sanj. It makes sense. Um, I would go for the C case, the original Seiko 5, uh, the the reissue. That was the one for one. The 61, the one for 81, one 20 reissue. Yeah. Um, I think that's just so attractive. And I, I, it's so rare for Seiko to do something like that. Um, I just feel like I'd have to get one just to hang on to, you know. Uh, you know what would be cool? If you combine the colors of the regatta, onto oh. that design of the now, uh now you're thinking sash now you're thinking who knows that could be next year that could be next year that could be you that could you be know, me <laughs> you know you you had a seiko doxa didn't you samurai doxa yep yep it's gone now it's gone to a friend friend of the podcast friend of the podcast you just could not stand me having the same watch it's it lost its sheen when you got it, right? <laughs> even though even though it was you who advised me. <laughs> well, we need a new podcast watch, then you think about it, right? All right. So but anyways, moving forward, what are we gonna talk about next? So, you know, Top Gun one, Top Gun two just came out. You know, we've talked about how much we love Tom Cruise and Pete Mitchell and blah, blah, blah. Well, well, hang on, hang on, hang on. Before we go any further, let's, let's get this out in the public. You preferred Top Gun 1 over Top Gun 2. Yeah, I think any true Top Gun fan would say the same thing. You are out to lunch. I am out right. to lunch. I'm out to lunch. You don't, yes. you prefer Top Gun 2 to Top Gun 1. No goose. No Iceman for the most part. No, no I think it was an amazing. No Tom Cats. What's that? You, you know what? You know why you did not see it in IMAX? All right. 
Get the hell out of here. IMAX. I you mean, I love IMAX. But I'm talking about plot. I'm talking about screen creature. that was your phone. All right. A geriatric Tom Cruise. I mean, this is this is what it is. Oh right? my goodness. Anyway. You saw it in literally a one speaker TV. All right. You did not experience it the way it should be an experience. A movie, if it's well written and paced, you don't need a huge screen necessarily. All right. I I, oh I, I believe in the art. God. I believe in the art. Okay. 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 <laughs> The reason I bring yeah. up Top Gun is because Porsche Design, which obviously made Pete Mitchell's watch in the movie, both movies, he actually kept the same watch. Did you know that? Tom Cruise wore the same Porsche Design chronograph? Yes, yes, that I did. Yeah, so Porsche Design this year is celebrating the 70th anniversary of the Porsche 356. They're releasing a chronograph. Uh, very similar to the 1972 uh, LE that was released last year. Um, you know, this is the the Pete Mitchell watch. This is the iconic lugless design, popular in the 70s and 80s. It's what Pete Mitchell wore. Um, so obviously it's the Porsche design that we all like to talk about. Um, the interesting thing is the new uh, Chronograph 1 is that design, is that platform, but they've made some tweaks to make it modern. So, you know, unlike the 72, it has the modern logo and the brand name on either side of the day-date window. I'm not too crazy about it. To be honest, I would take the 1972 LE. I think the the modern logo, uh, you know, I find it a bit polarizing. I don't know how you feel about it, Sanch. The I actually don't mind that at all. Like, the, I mean, of, yeah, I actually dig it. I mean, simple, yet it, it says Porsche design in literally one. Yeah, one. I just I just prefer the vintage one. I, I just I find it to be a little, little bit too quirky for me. Uh, not for me. Uh, but as far as the rest, it's a black titanium carbide coated case, uh, 40.8 millimeters in diameter, um, a little bit over 14 millimeters tall. So, you know, it's a, it's a little tall, but I, you know, it's a chronograph. You, one should expect that. Uh, movement wise, it's got the work uh, 01140 chronograph caliber. Um, you know, the brand calls it the Porsche design caliber. Um, but, it, you know, according to Warren Wound, you know, this looks like a uh, a value 7750 based movement that's been, you know, perhaps uh, tuned up or or modified in some way, shape or form. Um, you know, you've got the day data three. So these are things that are giveaways that you know, this is what you're looking at. Um, interestingly, on the case back, you've got the Porsche logo. Um, it's kind of like a cutout. So you, you, you can see you can see part of the movement, but you've basically got the I guess the spokes of a, of a Porsche car. Rim, yeah, the folks rim. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, if this was Porsche, famous on like 911s back in the day and, and several other Porsches. You um, can tell I'm a Subaru guy. I got no idea. So, yeah. 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 So, so they say it's famous, whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> whatever, man. Listen, if it was if it was a Forester, you know, case back, you, you'd have my attention. Um, yeah, yeah. If it was a for if it was an Ascent, you'll see the. The rotor has 19 holes for the 19 cup holders. It cup has, holder. right? That's what the Ascent's famous for. Very good, Sanch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, COSC certified, and uh, it's a limited edition, so 475 pieces, retail price of $11,000. All right, Sanch, what, what are your thoughts on this? I wouldn't get it. I'll be perfectly You would or you wouldn't? Event. No, it's 11. I mean, like, honestly, this Forget looks the like money. Obviously, Yeah. Outside of the money, I mean, this looks like a Zen to me. Um, Zen one four four, right? 
it, it is it's it's very close design wise the case shape is to my eye bit more or less the same um the value 7750 i mean porsche doesn't call it anything different it, it's the same watch so yeah i mean to me it doesn't look all that different you're basically paying for the brand um and this I, is the thing i have with porsche design like like they seem to be you know demanding like a ridiculous yeah amount yeah yeah i agree it it they seem to have a premium on them which i uh, which is a little bit outsized of what i think is deserved or should be i i don't know who am i to say yeah i mean it's to those i guess who are pete mitchell maverick fans but not even you'd get the 1972 if you wanted to if you wanted to be like you know pete mitchell you wouldn't get this one because it, it's not it's the updated version of that watch so it's a fine watch i mean don't get me wrong it's just that like what am i getting extra get us in long story short get us in get it get us in 144 sts all right and call call it a day all right. The only thing you won't have is the, the Porsche rim in the back, but whatever. Get over yourself. Whatever. Get the fuck out of here. Sorry, <laughs> I had to say that. I was going to say that the, I think the Zin... Are you going to bleep that? I guess you should. What? What you just said. I said pooks, like the rim. Oh. Oh, oh my god! I heard something else. <laughs> I guess we yeah, keep this in. We keep this in. Out of here. Get the fuck. <laughs> All right, we keep this in. This is a good. This is a good. This laugh. is. You can tell we're pretty tired. Yeah, and I couldn't care less about the Porsche logo. Um, very good, Sanj. Very good. All right, I think it's your turn. What do you got? All right, so like I said earlier in the episode, that I was going to talk about two horror category chronographs. One being the Skipper, which was just released. The other one is the a limited edition, actually. And it is the Tag Heuer Carrera Chronograph 42 millimeters France Limited Edition. So, like I said, I know Tag Heuer released the Carrera Classic Chronograph. And, you know, they made a few limited editions since then. Um, again, this is a callback to like the original aesthetic of the chronograph back in the, I think, 1963 original, where it's mostly talking about um, proportion symmetry and legibility and the one thing that makes this one special is if you can tell it's got the colors of france um the french national colors so it's i think what tag has done here is a very well executed um carrera using the yeah. french national colors that's uh, cool red white and yeah. blue yeah red white and blue so you know Again, this is very similar to that of the Carrera Skipper in aesthetic, um, with some it's a bit bigger, right? So the it is a forty-two millimeter. Skipper was thirty-nine. Yeah, yeah. So it's a bit bigger, but it's not too bad. I mean, we have watches that are forty-two millimeters. This is still fairly on the smaller end of Carreras, right? There are Carreras out there. I think you can get it like forty-five millimeter. Insane. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. Again, it's a very similar aesthetic, but um, few, like I said, subtle differences. For example, the um, the dial has got this very grainy blue texture, relatively yeah. speaking. And yeah. the sub dials, it's in this like whitish, grayish, I would say white, 
since it's the French national colors um, in this white, but it's got that concentric um, pattern to it within the dial. Yes. And instead the of it being, yeah, yeah, instead of being kind of in the Carrera Skipper, it was kind of looked like it was uh, being applied because it got like a, a rim. This one looks like it's being um, pressed in, like embossed. Interesting. Very, yeah. And the six o'clock subdial, which is very muted, um, similar to that of the Carrera Skipper, is just that it's got this red uh, track, you know, the, the second sand or the hand that it's, whatever it's tracking. I think it's the regular uh, 60 minute, 60 second hand. Um, it's in red, whereas the other ones are in black. You're talking about the running second hand. Uh, the running second hand, sorry. Got it. Um, and the outer chapter ring, which is not a tachometer scale, again, keeping in line with the original Carrera, it's in white and it's got very fine graduations for precise tracking. Um, now, the downfall of this is it is a limited edition. And the interesting thing is it's so limited that you have to go to France to go get it because it's wow. only going to be sold in France. And it's 200 pieces. Okay. Wow. So that's really limited. That's not joking. Very limited. That's not a Seiko limited of 15,000. We're talking 200 pieces. Okay. Yeah. And it's 63.50 euros. It's actually a bit cheaper than the Carrera's Skipper, but it's limited edition. And you have to buy a ticket to France. Interesting. Worst places to go. Love France. Um, yeah. You know, I, I love it. I think it looks great. Um, the only thing is if I know that the skipper is 39 millimeters, I'm going to want to get the 39. Um, that's the only reason Bing that I have against this watch. Other than that, I, I think everything, you know, I, I love the French motif, the red, white, and blue works for me, the concentric sub dials. I'm a fan of everything. Um, but, um, yeah, that, that's my two cents. If they made this at 39, I think this is a real blockbuster. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I don't know why they don't make it the standard, but it is what it is. But like, yeah, like the one cool thing that they've done is the rotor. Um, again, you have the exhibition case back is also in blue as well. And the movement is actually very similar to that of the Carrera Skipper. So this time they call it the Hoyer O2. Yeah. Um, again, 33 joules, 80 hour power reserve. I think it's, again, probably just... This is, let's say, the like tag Hoyer's mainline movement. Yeah. Whereas the one in the Carrera Skipper might be slightly modified, maybe for the smaller dial case size. So I don't know. It's they, they both look like they're the same to me, but again, there could be subtle differences that I'm unaware of. Got it. Okay. Cool. So, thumbs up, thumbs down. Where are you at, Sanch? Oh, I would say this is a great thumbs up for me too. Over the Skipper. Oof. You know what? I would take the skipper over this because it is just so funky looking. Yeah, I love that funky, that Pantone, color Pantone. Big fan. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like the Wes Anderson of like Carreras, which is those colors. Right. You, now you've talked me out of it. All right, so I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> you lost me there. All right. <laughs> All right, Tommy. I guess we're bringing back uh, Seiko into the fold. We, we seem to do this often. We, we can't go an episode without it. So this was big news when it came out, I guess, a week ago. But, you know, Seiko's released a number of 62 Moss iterations, right? So um, 
what Seiko did last week, again, kind of similar to what they did with the with the um, C-Case um, Seiko, Seiko 5 release, they've, they've done basically a recreation of the 62 Moss, or as close as you could get. Um, so specifically, I'm talking about the Prospects 1965 Divers Recreation, uh, SJE093, um, basically the closest you know you could get to a 6217, aka the 62 Moss. Uh, just to quickly recap, what is the 62 Moss? It's the first uh, purpose-built diver by Seiko. Um, it's it's the watch that kicked it all off. Um, it's the watch that Seiko iterated from going forward uh, on its dive line. So it's obviously a very important watch. Um, it began reissuing the watch. So Seiko obviously knew the importance of that watch, and, and they began reissuing it in 2017. So in 2017, they reissued the watch by the SPB 051 and the 053. Uh, problem with that was larger size. It had a 42 millimeter case and a different handset. So I think a lot of people kind of balked at that watch. Uh, in 2020, they released a more faithful version, better handset. Um, this was the SPB 143, 147, and 149. And that had a 40 millimeter case size. And then now 2023, they're releasing the SJE093. The case size is almost identical, you know, close as you can get to a one-for-one one reissue. This is 38 millimeters diameter size, uh, box sapphire crystal. It's got metallic inserts. Um, they did everything they could to kind of recreate the vintage magic of the 62 Moss. Um, interestingly, inside, they've got the 6L37. Um, it's basically, the, the you know, as Monochrome describes it, the first movement from the slimline 6L family made expressly for divers watches. So it's got the same architecture they describe, but uh, you know, it's got the power reserve and accuracy of the 6L35. Uh, four hertz, it beats 45 hours of power reserves. Um, obviously uh, it's an LE, uh, 1,965 pieces for the year it came out, the original 62 Moss. I expect it out August, 2023. Price of 3,700 euro. Uh, what are your thoughts? It's a nice watch, but not 3,700 euro nice. Well, you're getting an up, you're getting an upgraded movement, right? And you're getting a recreation of a iconic diver. What should it go for? I'm not saying I'm saying it not because it's a Seiko or anything. It's just that like the reason I'm gonna say that is probably when we get to watch you buying, I'll get I'll explain it a little bit better. But you could get a 62 mass recreation um, for a much more attractive price. 62 mass recreation? Like one of the like, ones that I mentioned? Uh, not necessarily the like one for one, but like say, I think they have like the SBDC, you know, probably is not going to be the, the a different movement and everything. So you're talking about the 2020 version, right? The I think so, yeah. The 40 millimeter, the ones that were like clearly not the worst, but they they were close. It's the SPB 143, 147, and 149. Um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think for the casual Seiko collector, that's kind of where you'd gravitate to. You wouldn't drop 3,700 euro. But I think for the diehard Seiko collector who wants basically a one-for-one 62 Moss, this is the one to get. And I think, look, I, I think everything is, is right on this watch. I mean, it's got that metallic, um, uh, basically that... Uh, the bezel is is done absolutely correctly to give you that vintage feel. I love the way they've done the sapphire crystal. 
you know, even even the dial, um, you know, presentation just looks right. I mean, everything is so crisp and, and done really well. It's here. nice. Yeah, don't get me wrong. It's, it's like really nice. Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, again, it's not because of Seiko. Like, for example, like I have the same feeling for like IWC watches, right? Nice, simple, clear watches like those, you know, but like they price them up to in the stratosphere. So I'm like, yeah, what am I I mean, whereas I would bash Porsche design, I would give Seiko the benefit of the doubt here. Oh, um, boy. It's also, I mean, OK, but Porsche design is eleven thousand dollars, right? This is again. Yeah. Just yeah. I mean, done. this is a question of like magnitude. I, I think this is reasonable for because, I mean, who would be interested in this watch? It would be basically a diehard Seiko collector, right? You know, yes. it's a one for one 62 Moss. And for those people, you know. You definitely want to milk them for every penny they've got. <laughs> so, <laughs> you yeah. know what I would actually do is I would take out that strap and just put in like the military green NATO. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a very attractive watch. I, I'm I'm a, I I think they did a great job. But like you mentioned, I think you should probably go for the 2020s if you're a casual-ish Seiko collector. Yeah, and that's where I am. So got I it. don't think I would ever fork thirty seven hundred dollars for this watch. Unless I'm right. like hardcore. All right. You but but to... outside of the price, it's a nice watch. All right, Sench. I I, 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 I just killed all mood for you. Your 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 energy's flagging. We need to get you excited again. What do you got? What's next? All right. So this one is another dive watch we're gonna be talking about here, and it's the Certina DS action diver. So Certina DS fan, right? I feel like you've mentioned them glowingly in the past. Here and there, I think they made some like cool retro inspiration watches or under the DS, if I'm not mistaken. We covered it a while back. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, those are cool. This one is a bit more modern, a bit more stealthy, I would say. Yeah, it's so, all black. Yeah, it's that's the key thing, hence the stealth. Um, it's still somehow classified as a, as a diver because if you to the listeners out there. The bezel is more not really legible, except for yeah, the use it. <laughs> that's a good point. That's a very good point. Yeah. Um, but it it does meet the certification to be a dive watch, which is actually quite interesting. Um, but it, it's basically an all black watch with you know the our indices being white and they the hour and 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 the hands being white as well, and they're loomed and. It is a fairly big watch. It's 43 millimeters by 15 millimeters um, with a few mils added because it comes with a NATO strap. So it's going to wear a little bit higher. Um, the bezel, again, is all black um, with ceramic inlay. And everything, the numerals and everything is of that of a dive watch design, but it's engraved and it's like, um, it's all black. You can barely read this, in, you know, like one yeah. meter below sea level, right? Yeah. So, yeah. but regardless, it is an ISO 6425 certified dive watch. You know, it's got screw down crown and case back. Um, it's got the, well, I'm going to call it the tried and tested um, because it's the Powermatic 80 movement that is Swatch mm -hmm. uses and like their Tissot lines and Certina. Maybe I wouldn't, I, I hate to call it the, the lower tier of the pyramid, say the Swatch group pyramid, but 
it's used in a whole variety of their, um, you know, entry levels to mid-level line of watches, which is not a bad thing to say because it is an 80-hour power reserve. Um, yeah. And it's got, you know, a few unique features in that movement. I think it's got a silicone ha hairspring, if I'm not even mistaken. Um, and it's got a date complication as well, if I'm, uh, and yeah, I mean, it's it's a straight up dive watch. I mean, there's nothing setting it apart other than the fact that it's just a stealth looking watch. Um, I think it looks very sharp. I yeah, yeah. it's three hundred meters. The, it's got this very cool looking case back, which is Certina uses on their dive watches. It's got the a, a turtle stamped on it. Really? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a fine watch. It's you know water resistant to three hundred meters. The loom is, looks great, um, and it's about nine hundred ninety euro, which you do get a lot of bang for the buck for this kind of watch. Yeah, I mean the dial is like basically black lacquer. Like they've really they've gone to take it as black as possible. You know, it's yeah, really impressive. Um, it's like black on black, except for ex you know exactly the, the the timing hands and and basically the markings in the dial, um, which are white. So, I think it's very cool. Um, that's why I kind of picked for you to cover it because I I thought I thought it was a very I think it's a fine watch. I think it's really really cool. I mean, like I said, it's it's not funky. It it's for those who you know kind of want to get a feel for a, like a military like SEAL Team Six kind of watch. Yeah, um, exactly, exactly. That's kind of what I had in mind, you know, like a special forces kind of watch or something. Like that. Yeah. But I mean, this, I don't want to say there's nothing setting it apart from other line of die watches, but because there's just so many of them out there. So, yeah. but it is, you know, a unique take on a dive watch itself. Interesting. Yeah. We'll put up pictures on the Instagram so people can judge for themselves. All right, Sanch. Last watch, last new watch for this episode. There we go. Right, this okay. is the Longines Conquest 2023 chronograph. All right, so okay, yeah, the Conquest it's it's a long standing Longines line, I think it's been around for decades. Uh, they're getting a redesigned chronograph. Um, I've always found the Longines watches to be kind of weirdly designed. I don't know, I they they made some strange choices to me that either were weird proportions or just looked off like I, I couldn't really always put my finger on it but this design is actually one of the best ones that i've seen from longines um the other one that comes to mind is that avigation big eye that they did a couple of years ago that big eye yeah yes too. um so but you know back to the conquest line you know this was a it, they've designed something a lot more sleek it's a lot more focused um than in previous iterations of that line um simple you know pump pushers uh, it's got a dark fixed tachymeter bezel. It's a tri-compact uh, chronograph. Uh, no day date at all on the dial, which is, you know, I want to clap and say good job, Longines, for doing that. Um, as far as sizing, 42 millimeters diameter case, 14.3 thickness. You know, it is a chronograph. Uh, it's about 100, uh, you know, meters water resistant. So, you know, all within expectations for a chronograph. Uh, coming in four different flavors, right? So you got the champagne with black bezel and sub counters. You got silver white with a black bezel and, and counters and a red tachymeter uh, mention. Uh, this is how monochrome describes it. Uh, black with a black bezel, 
and silver counters and a red tachymeter mentioned. Uh, I guess the word tachymeter, I, I guess the, the tachymeter itself is in red. Um, and finally, a blue with a tone on tone bezel and counters. Um, I like a lot of the iterations here. Um, to be honest, I think I would really go for the black and the white subdials. Um, I think that looks really sharp. Uh, which of the four do you like, Sanjay? I, I'm gonna go a little brave and pick the champagne one. I think the champagne is really attractive too. That would be my second pick. Um, yeah. And then the other one, number two, would probably be the reverse panda, white dial, black subdial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think so, that one's also good as well. I, I, yeah, it's a, it's a nice. It looks like a like a say like it. a hefty watch, like a. Oh, I thought you were gonna say something else. Oh, what Daytona? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, wanted to I bring mean, that up, but yeah. you know what? I think we're just taking the Daytona as like the standard of like this well, three six nine. Yeah, and it's black, and you've got a black bezel. I mean, any watch that does that automatically gets called Daytona knockoff. But like, you know, I I think this 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 has a lot of unique kind of things that that that's different that Longines brings to the table. I like it a lot. Um, I think it's attractive. Um, I do like the handset that they used. I, you know, I, I, I don't find that to be weird. Uh, no, so it's, I don't yeah, it's a nice, clean handset. watch. Yeah, very clean, simple pushers. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not much to say. I think, I think it's a really attractive watch. I, if you're into kind of this type of chronograph, I, I, you could pick a whole lot worse. Um, 39.50 euro is the price. Um, I think it's a really more mainstream kind of attractive pick. Um, as far as the movement's concerned, it's the L898.5, uh, which I think looks like an ETA-based uh, 2892-A2 uh, based movement. Um, so it's a modular chronograph. Uh, yeah, a lot, lot of things, a lot of things going for it. Um, you know, I think the the issue that some people would have is that it's a modular chronograph. So it kind of sits on top of the base movement. Think of like yeah, but it's, it's not too thick per se. Even with that, right? It, it is it slightly on the thicker size, case yeah, size, but 14, 14 millimeters thickness, fourteen point three. Yeah, but like a modular chronograph, to me is fine. I mean, I'm, I have no issue with it. But typically, that sits a little bit thicker because you're just applying a module on top. I, you know, I'm being very high level here and saying this, but it's not like a, a purpose made chronograph. Yeah, I mean, I can see why. Well, look, I mean, they're asking you to spend four thousand dollars on it, right? So, you know, I can see why people would be a bit put off by them doing that versus building a purpose-built in integrated chronograph movement, right? So, dude, this is like literally only two hundred bucks more than that Seiko. Well, sure, but I mean, you know, it we're it's apples and oranges here. We're talking chronograph movements, right? So. Yeah, it's if fine. You're, if you're expecting me to spend four grand, give me a proper chronograph movement, right? Don't, you know, don't stick something on top of another movement, uh, modular, you know. I, I don't know. I, I can, I can, it's the difference between a Speedmaster and a Speedmaster Reduced, right? Like, from oh boy. a technical perspective, right? So, I mean, you get what I'm saying. Like, am I, yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Am I yelling at the board here? Job. <laughs> like, it's got, you know, it's got an anti magnetic silicon balance spring, you know, which is great. Um, it's got 59 hours of power reserve, which is plenty. 
Um, I mean, it's fine. I mean, I don't have any issue with it. Yeah, I mean, I like it. That's why I chose to cover it. But, you know, I think it's a fair point to say, hey, module's not that cool at this price point. You expect better. I, you'll get over it, all right? Yeah. You'll be fine. Life I shouldn't on. have to get over it. <laughs> yeah, you'll be fine. Yeah, right? Don't worry about this. All right, Sanj. So what are you picking? The champagne? I think I'll go for the champagne. The blue is probably my least favorite. Um, I think the champagne does a lot of. I it like it just champagne. makes it a bit more, let's say, vintage-ish, you know? Yes. yes. Actually, you know, I think the champagne would be my choice as well. Um, yeah, let's stick with that. Always have to copy me. Always. Yes. Always. You have good ideas once in a while, Sanj. I got to steal it. All right. But no, good, good, fine. And I wouldn't call it a Daytona knockoff. I mean, it's the same thing, you know, like, for example, the... The Zenith, um, what do they call it? The oh shoot, I can't even. The, the Zenith, El Primero, El so... Primero Sport. Um, okay. It yeah, I mean that does look like a Daytona a little bit, and you know it's being covered by many. Didn't we cover uh, a Hamilton media? recently? That's like considered a Daytona knockoff. Was it Hamilton? I think it may have been that, but like the Zenith one, yeah. But if you look at it closely, it's if you have. Dark subdials and a dark bezel. That's basically standard what, issue Daytona. Like, this is a Daytona ripoff. It's like you guys need to get over yourself. Um, the same thing goes for like you know, like if you have a watch with a Cyclops uh, eye on the three o'clock for the date. Uh, oh yeah, that's Rolex. You know, give me a break. Yeah, I mean, in both cases, it's Rolex. Everyone's defending <laughs> Rolex is get lost. All right, fine. That that's it for new watches. All right, so now watch, watch, you're buying? watch you're buying. I have two. So we basically covered chronographs or dive watches in this episode. So I thought I would introduce one dive uh, watch and one um, chronograph. So the first one I'm going to cover is the Alpina Star Timer Pilot Blue Dial, which is available on Joma Shop for an attractive price of $1,195. No, that's, that's actually a really good price. It's almost two-thirds off not of retail. Yeah. Yeah. And it's unique in its own right because it's not a, a dual pusher chronograph. It's a single push. Single push. Yeah. So, which is, you know, the, harkening back to the very early days of chronograph timing where, you know, start, stop, and reset were all done at one pusher. Yeah. Uh, so, this one is basically, is, is this what? This is not really a cushion case, right? This is what do you call that kind of case design? Uh, uh, I mean, it, technically, I think it is a cushion case. It, it's like okay. A, well, let's it, just say it's, it's a like a turtle. Case. I mean, you know, yeah, vaguely. Um, it's a cushion case. It's kind of mimicking the a watch design of the seventies. It's a bicompacts. This one is a particularly a blue dial with a tachometer ring, chapter ring around uh, the dial, and you know you have the, the three o'clock and the nine o'clock the sub dials, and no no date window or any of that mishmash. Um, comes nice. in a nice. Brown clean. leather strap, very clean, very clean, very cool. Um, the one thing it is slightly on the bigger side, forty-two millimeters by fourteen and a half, but yeah. we're totally wearable. And I guess the one other drawback is the bandwidth. It's twenty-three millimeters. Twenty-three. Yeah. What are these guys thinking? Why? 
don't know. Oh my gosh. All right. How man. are you going to find out? It's, yeah, you can't strap monster to this thing. That's but it. That's it. Right. For the price, twelve hundred bucks. Yeah, that's why it's twelve hundred bucks. Everyone's frustrated with the twenty-three millimeters. Yeah. Listen, I would still buy it. All right. Come on. All right. Next. What do you got? Oh man, that that ended it for you. That's it. That's it. Don't do I should something. Have said it. Like I shouldn't have said it. You would have been so gung ho for this watch. Seventeen millimeter straps. What's next? Come on. <laughs> All right. The Not next one is on, on uh, Gnaman watches. And yeah. it's a Seiko. And this one is the SBDC143. It's this 1970s driver's reimplantation. Kind of looks like the Captain Willard. It is the Captain Willard, yeah. Um, and this particular one is, I think, a Japanese-only release. And yeah, for this. Uh, the dial is a little bit too gray, whereas it's yeah. black. Yeah, so it's on the grainy, gray side, a bit, little bit... A matte grainy in texture. Yeah. Um, the second hand has got that shovel with the red little circle. Sure, sure, sure. Tip. And it comes in a like a military green NATO, but it's available for 998 bucks. Price is good, but yeah, I mean that dial color just doesn't do it for me. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I dig it. I, I like it's a black. I like a black or something else. This this just like off black thing, it would just give me a headache because it's like is that thing off or my eyes off? You know, I just can't. Okay, so if you go back and see what um, Gnaman watches has, they have the Captain William Black Dial for thousand fifty. See that I am interested in. That's a that's more of my speed. Yeah. Or the green dial and green bezel for eight ninety eight, like that olive green. Yeah, that's the reason it's cheaper is because people don't want to pay for it. <laughs> I think that's more attractive. I mean, it's you. You make weird choices. I'm not gonna lie to you. Listen, you know what? I just try to stand out. <laughs> okay, the now DX zero four seven is the upgunned version. Um, that looks pretty good. I mean, that's up for twenty three ninety, but uh, solid. Yeah, and the one beside it is the sixty two Moss, the one I was talking about, the SBDC one hundred one. It's a thousand uh, nine hundred seventy bucks. Ooh. Yeah, see, I would get yeah. this over thirty seven hundred dollars, and be yeah, happy. I, I, th I think that's perfectly fine. I think that's perfectly fair. I, I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with you at all. You know, I, the interesting thing about the thirty seven hundred is it's a one for one recreation. That's why it's unique, right? Um, You're a one for one recreation, all right? Right, only one of me, baby. One of you. The world only just needs one, Tommy. All right, so. So okay, so both watch buyings, yay, nay. Which one would nay you pick? Nay for both. Nay for both. Nay for both. Wow. Toss it. Wow. Toss them both. Toss them both. Wow, I'm shocked. Not interested. I try to find you good deals. Yeah, and there's a reason these things are deals. Yeah. All right. Next. All right. All right. So next, we're going to talk about Internet of Poo. Poo. Yeah. So interesting video. Uh, it's called Why Tech Billionaires Suck at Fixing Transport. It's basically, you know, the last 20 years we've been talking about transportation, climate change, how things need to change and, you know, how we, we should optimize transportation for the masses, right? And, you know, uh, back in the day, you know, the kinds of people that be leading these conversations would be the government or, you know, people. Uh, now we've got these kind of, you know, tech billionaire 
you know weirdos who are taking taking the lead in that uh so you got your elon musk you got the the virgin guy uh richard branson or servage branson, branson sorry yeah so you know it's an interesting it's a, it's an interesting video it asked the question you know why aren't these guys able to fix transport they've had 20 years they've made a lot of promises the you know the, the government and investors have thrown billions of dollars at them you know why have they not really done anything um and i think case in point is a hyperloop which uh technically never made any sense um it it's basically the same thing with the saudi arabian uh city that's in the line do you know about this Ange? oh yeah neom that's the project <laughs> name but uh, what do they call it the line right i think they literally the call it the line. yeah they're building this this massive wall of a city that's going to be in a straight line and the problem is you know 3d renderings are so cheap you can render anything right and like you know elon musk can run render elevators in a city that'll take you into a into a hyperloop with skids you know with a car with a with a car skid to take you 200 miles per hour i mean all this nonsense is easily renderable but like has anyone ever asked how these things are actually supposed to work and whether they're going to be viable no so you know the hyperloop i think is case in point the video really talks about what was promised and also what we what we ended up getting which was this basically a tiny tunnel for one tesla at a time to go from one part of las vegas to another um yeah so, <laughs> yeah it's um you know, what a joke it's an interesting video what a joke indeed um you know it's related to my streaming goal pick so i'm gonna i'm just gonna connect the dots here and that's uh it's a video called how this train beat the plane and it's about the french tgv which is i believe still the fastest train in the world um yes it was built by France um, in the, the, I think, the late 1960s, um, or was it the early 70s? Uh, but May have been the clearly, 70s, but I think they got the 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 organization. I think they call it the SNCF. They correct. were pushing for high speed rail and pushing the boundaries of it. And again, this is not too different from that of like what the Japanese people or the Japanese government were doing with the bullet train. Exactly. I think the French yeah. saw the bullet train and saw the benefits and said, let's supply it to let's France. And the point was really to cut down mid-level flights, right? I mean, it's, it's to cut down flights from major French cities that you could connect by rail for roughly the same amount of time, you know, including your trip to the airport and going through security and, and taking off and landing. Um, right. Know. I think like the two to three hour travel exactly. time. Exactly. And that's how, you know, this train beat the plane because... For 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 those kinds of travelers, it made a lot of sense that you, you take the train instead of the plane. Um, yeah. not to mention and, and there was initially a lot of pushback because it required a lot of infrastructure upgrades because they had to build new rails, essentially, right? Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, you know, again, dawn of the jet age, um, cars were getting quicker. Right. And so everyone's like, why are we spending money on trains? Well, I mean, the French turned out to be right, right? Because... Yeah, uh, this was a system that worked really, really well and connected the city without having to put you on a plane. Uh, right, and and what really kickstarted, if I'm not mistaken, is that you had the oil embargo of the '70s, right? Yes, um, and that really brought them to their advantage, and and they they got a lot more investment. And it's come to a point, if I'm not mistaken, that the French government wants to ban intercity travel by air and just replace it by trains. Yep. Yeah. So, 
Um, I'm for mm-hmm. that, actually. I mean, these trains are so fast and so comfortable. Very comfortable, um, very fast. I mean, the interesting thing is because of France's reliance on nuclear energy, that was their way around the energy crisis. Is they didn't need oil to get you from Paris to Marseille, right? You, you were yeah. riding a train, an electric train that used nuclear energy. So France didn't wasn't part of that whole squeeze, energy squeeze, as long as you took the train. Um, really right. smart. Um, obviously, you know, well thought out, well planned. Um, something that this country could desperately use, which is high speed rail. So. I mean, they're slowly getting there with the California high-speed rail, but it's just so behind schedule and way over budget. Yeah, I mean, you're building in in the most expensive real estate and, and you know some of the most expensive real estate in America. So that's within expectations, I think. Uh, look, I mean, the Second Avenue subway in New York City took a hundred years. So, well, I mean, keep in mind, yeah, it's some of the most expensive real estate in the world. But look what Japan's doing with their next gen of. Um, High speed rail. They're going magnetic levitation. They're literally cutting uh, tunnels through mountains to make this thing happen. All right. Hey man, I mean, to the Japanese credit, they they were starting doing this in the '60s, so they they have a in 50, Tokyo 60 year lead on us. You know, so um, you know we're we're catching up late. So, but Slowly. hopefully Surely. something gets built. I mean. Really, what needs to happen is high-speed rail on the East Coast, right? Connecting, you know, Boston to D.C. I mean, that Boston, D.C., New York to Boston, New York to Yeah, that, that whole corridor, that whole corridor. Yeah, I mean, it Absolutely. doesn't make any sense that... Um, well, I mean, the, the West Coast desperately needs it, right? Because what to go from Northern California to Southern California, there's only two ways at the moment, right? Either you drive and go through traffic and suffer, or you fly, you know, and, and yeah. that that's also a hassle, too, so... Yeah, no, I agree. It, it 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 makes perfect sense. So, um, yeah. So hopefully it gets done and people stop listening to clowns like Elon Musk. So, that's my two cents. Um, what do you got for streaming goals, Sanj? So the one I'm going to talk about is the questionable engineering of OceanGate, and it's by the uh, channel Real Engineering, which is a fantastic. Channel. You love yeah, that. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, amazing. And and. The narrator is actually, he's got a master's in composites. Or um, Okay, so this is right and, up his alley. <laughs> yeah, it's literally right up his alley. He talks about the number of flaws that the material choices made for the Ocean Gate. Yeah. Um, Titan, that obviously everyone knows that had a catastrophic implosion. Um, I mean, the sub was poorly designed. Um, yeah, I mean, have a watch. It's a great, great um episode of how selecting the right material is absolutely necessary yeah um, and i try to remember if he references james cameron i don't think so i think maybe he did but regardless this is like the one time like if you want to go ocean diving and risk your life you actually talk to you know, a director of movie making, which is James Cameron. You yeah, he's know, Titanic like over thirty times. Like he, yeah, he, like he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, great, great video. Definitely watch it and and follow the channel. It's it's really, if you're into aerospace or anything technical or even military, um, this channel goes into great depths. Like the M1 Abrams tank, the insane engineering of that. The my favorite was the James Webb. Uh, telescope that thing was insane cool yeah no that's a good video yeah i liked it a lot 
Very good, Sanch. What do you got for closing notes, my friend? So for closing notes and to, to end the episode, to those very geeky Omega Speedmaster fans out there. Never heard of um, them. Either. Never heard of them, you know, unless your name is Tommy. Um, <laughs> I'm referencing a Fratello article, um, and it's about differences in Omega Speedmaster bezels. Wow. So these are very, very detailed uh, descriptions of different changes over the course of the 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 Speedmaster professional era of the changes they made to the bezel, yeah. the design, the aesthetic, you know, removing the accent over the E of tachometer to even the special edition, which had the pulsation dial. Yeah. So pretty cool. Um, definitely give it a read if you're into it. But um, yeah, that's that's all I have to say right. about that. All right. You sound like Forrest Gump there. All right. Uh, First, you call me it's... Mickey Palmese. <laughs> End the episode with Forrest Gump. <laughs> you know what? I love Forrest Gump. I, you know, I'm honored that you call me Forrest Gump, all right? Yeah, you know, it, more than one similarity. I'll just say it. I'll just leave it at that, right? Oh, yeah, anyway. you know. <laughs> Medal of Honor winner, you know, recipient, multi, multi, Simple multi millionaire. Yeah, that, that sounds like Sanja, right? Yeah, yeah. All complete right. opposite. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Land Jam podcast. Um, Give us a follow on Instagram. Give us a follow uh, on, on whatever podcast service you're listening on. Uh, give us a review. We, we, we would love a review, especially if you're on iTunes. It really helps with the podcast. And uh, yeah, we've got a slew of episodes coming. Um, so we're hoping to be releasing a lot more uh, you know, content coming up soon. So uh, stick around. Thanks again. Take care.